This is Rising Up with Sonali, and I'm your host, Sonali Kolhatkar. You can watch this program on Free Speech TV and listen to it on community and independent radio stations nationwide. Californians came oh so close once more to seeing a single-payer healthcare system pass in the state. AB 1400, a bill sponsored by Assemblymember Ash Kalra, passed out of committee and was slated for a full vote on January 31st. But in a body that has a supermajority of Democrats, in a state with a Democratic governor whose party platform includes support of a single-payer system, there were apparently not enough votes to pass the critical bill. Meanwhile, at the federal level, Congresswoman Pramila Jayapal of Washington has announced a record-breaking 120 sponsors for her Medicare for All bill. Joining me now to discuss both the California effort and the federal effort is my go-to guest on healthcare, Dr. Paul Song. He's a board-certified radiation oncologist and president of the California Chapter of Physicians for a National Health Program. He's also a healthcare correspondent. Welcome back, Paul. Always great to be back. So I admit I foolishly perhaps got very optimistic about AB 1400. Um, there was, you know, buzz about it. This is a bill sponsored by the California Nurses Association. So what happened on January 31st? Well, uh, as you mentioned, uh, Representative Assemblymember uh, Ash Kalra um, decided at the last minute not to put it up for a vote. And, and really, to be honest, this was not surprising to me what was surprising was that it got as far as it did. And what I mean by that is, if you look at the makeup of the legislature, you have 80 assembly seats of which 56 are Democrats. And in the state Senate, you have 40 seats of which 31 are Democrats. So you would think that with this overwhelming supermajority, it would be very easy to pass things and move things across very quickly, especially when you have a governor who ran on single payer. But ultimately when AB 1400 was introduced, out of those 120 members, or out of those 87 members in both the House and Senate who were Democrats, you only had 20 co-sponsors, and you had a governor that uh, basically uh, claimed ignorance with regard to the specifics of AB 1400. When asked about it in the run-up to the vote, he said he had not had a chance to review this, and this is somebody who deeply uh, prides himself in being a policy wonk. So when you hear the governor say that he didn't know the specifics of it, he hadn't read the bill, and you only had 20 uh, members of the legislature from both the Senate and the House really co-sponsor this, uh, it was really surprising that this got as far as it did. And I would say this was truly due to the impressive grassroots uh, and relentless um, efforts by this group both in terms of a vigorous social media campaign, uh, going uh, to car caravans, calling offices, showing up at offices, that you had a lot of people on the health committee who normally would be very opposed to this, become very uncomfortable and, and, and release it and let it go on to the next step. But in the end, the fact that it never came up for a vote really does show you how few Democrats really were, were strongly behind this in, in the assembly. I want to quote from the National Nurses Union's press release after the bill basically died without a vote. They were upset about Assemblymember Ash Kalra's refusal to, you know, call it up for a vote. Uh, and they said that the main author of the bill, Ash Kalra, chose not to hold a vote on this bill at all, providing cover for those who would have been forced to go on the record about where they stand on guaranteed health care for all people in California. Um, so I'm wondering what you make of this, um, you know, they, they, it's, it's rare 
when you have an alliance between an organization, a grassroots organization, and a politician that they know aligns with them, for them to come out strongly against that politician's position. Um, they put a lot of effort into this. Um, do you think they were justified in their anger? Well, I think a lot of people were justified in their anger. Uh, unfortunately, I think that Ash uh, bore the brunt of it when in reality, it's all of the Democrats in our state. Uh, when the party, state party platform endorses single payer and yet you have so few Democrats that are willing to co-sponsor an actual bill for it, let alone vote, vote for it, uh, I think it unfortunately fell on, on Ash. You know, I think there are a couple things that, that I would say one, I believe he was truly sincere and was really a staunch fighter for this and somebody who really uh, believed in it, unlike some of the uh, people that pushed 562, which was the last state single payer bill uh, that really only did it for political gain. I, I do believe Ash in his heart believes that this was <clears throat> something that is desperately need, needed in our state. I do think he was in a hard situation without the governor's support, as well as uh, it was clear that the speaker was not behind this. And many of his constituents that uh, he has to work with day in and day out to put them on the, um, to make them commit to a, a vote when clearly the votes really were not there. Um, you know, I, I, I can see both sides of this. Obviously, I was disappointed because I would like to finally get people on record as to how they really believe uh, and what they believe versus what they sound on the campaign trail uh, and that we could start to mount vigorous um, primaries against those people. Uh, but as a result, we don't know. Um, but, but from what I've heard, uh, out of those 120 members in both the state and the Senate, uh, maybe there would have been 15 to 20 truly committed legislators that would have been willing to vote in favor of this. So it's it was really, really not even something that was close. I mean, it's incredible. This is single-payer healthcare is part of the Democratic Party's platform here in California. And if Ash Kalra had forced a vote, maybe some of those Democrats who are trying to have it both ways, label themselves progressives and then not support, tacitly not support this bill, would have been forced to go on record. I mean, that's how Republicans play hardball and often win. Why can't Democrats do that? Well, again, I think you have to look even deeper at the amount of money that the governor got uh, during his recall uh, fight from Blue Shield, the California Hospital Association, the California Medical Association, and then if you look even deeper at the California State Democratic Party and who some of their largest donors are, again, it's the same players. Meanwhile, the National Nurses Union backed the effort to uh, keep Newsom in power precisely because they wanted a Democratic governor who would sign into law a single payer bill. And I guess Absolutely. Gavin Newsom chose which side he wanted to, to pick. Of the and I think it was clear that if you remember the French uh, laundry dinner that he was at, um, one of the people that he was having dinner with was Dustin Corcoran, who is the head of the California Medical Association. Uh, talk about unprecedented access. And, and just a, a background for our audience, French Laundry is the name of a fancy restaurant in the Bay Area that Newsom was basically caught or pictured having uh, unmasked meal with during the height of the pandemic when the lockdown was happening. And that gave a lot of fuel to the right wing basis to recall uh, Newsom. Absolutely. And then if you look at all of the people that have had access to the governor during this time, it has disproportionately been people from the California Hospital Association, 
California Medical Association. Um, Kaiser, we just found out, was rewarded with a backroom deal uh, to, for the Medicaid expansion. Um, again, these are all big donors to both the legislature as well as the governor and to the California State Democratic Party. And as a result, you can see that it's hard to serve two masters. You can say you're for something, but if all of your largest donors are clearly opposed to it, then something's got to give in, in the long run. And that's what happened. I want to pivot to the federal effort in Washington, D.C. with Pramila Jayapal's Medicare for All bill. But I, I want to bring up first what she has said, um, which applies to the California situation, which is that she worries that the Democratic promises on health care and the fact that they're basically breaking these promises will hurt them in the midterm elections. I mean, California has a Democratic supermajority. It's unlikely that we would see a balance of power shift here within the state. But eventually, people are going to start seeing through this hypocrisy, right? Absolutely. Uh, again, with at least the Republicans, you know what you're getting. They have always been against uh, universal health care. They have always been against um, Obamacare uh, and definitely against single payer. So you know what you're dealing with when you deal with Republicans. What's so disingenuous about the uh, Democratic Party, particularly here in the state of California, is so many of them say that they're for single payer. When they have a Republican governor like Schwarzenegger in, they will vote for it because they know it'll get vetoed. But ultimately, when we have the supermajority and control the, the uh, governor's uh, position, you see silence. And so we're I think seeing what happened happen under Jerry Brown, basically, exactly, the last Democratic exactly. governor. And, and I think what's happening, what I've been hearing is that more and more Democrats, particularly those that are the frontline progressives, are really fed up and are really starting to explore a Dem exit where mm. uh, they will, um, maybe in a smaller state, it might not work, but in the fifth largest economy, maybe it's time that there is room for a third party that will have a better seat at the table because I think right now the progressive wing is basically uh, taken for granted and dismissed. They're used to uh, help people get elected. Uh, I think that's part of the reason the governor was the first to come out in favor of single payer. In doing so, he got the nurse's endorsement early on. Uh, but then you can see ultimately once he's in power, uh, he, how little he's ever even talked about it. So. I, I, I agree with you 100% that eventually uh, Democrats and the people that support them are going to be fed up. So let's talk about the um, federal level effort with Pramila Jayapal. Of course, um, California is trying to pass a single payer bill because the federal government has not succeeded in expanding Medicare for all um, Americans. You know, if you're lucky enough to be over 65 and a citizen, then you have free health care in this country for everybody else. It's through employers or Obamacare, or if you simply can't afford those premiums, you're out of luck. And during a pandemic, we've seen just how um, difficult it's been for this country to not have a unified national health program. What is the status with Medicare for all at the federal level. Why does it matter that Jayapal announced excitedly that there is there are now 120 co-sponsors for her bill? Well, again, as you mentioned, that's an all-time high in terms of number of co-sponsors. Uh, and so um, there's a, a more and more traction in individual uh, members' districts. 
uh, for this, that they feel comfortable to co-sponsor a bill. But the reality is we still don't have a president that wants this. Um, president Biden has been very um, honest and direct that he does not believe in a Medicare for all plan. But I do think this is where uh, Representative Jayapal deserves so much credit on many issues. I mean, uh, as the head of the Progressive Caucus, but also as the lead sponsor of the Medicare for All bill, uh, she has done a, an incredible job of articulating what it is, really addressing the, uh, uh, the failings of our current healthcare system. And, and I do believe that, that we have a, an amazing voice uh, and spokesperson on, on behalf of the entire movement. But ultimately, I think she knows that 120 votes are still way too short and that we uh, and even if we were able to get a majority in the House, you're looking at trying to get uh, two thirds in the Senate, which is going to be very, very difficult as well. Uh, but but I think under her leadership, it, the uh, caucus will continue to grow and eventually we'll start to get more and more people elected who will support Medicare for all. So, again, this is there a risk that this is just more posturing, just as we've seen at the California level, that it's easy to stake your support when you know it's unrealistic that it'll actually that you'll actually be called upon to sign on the dotted line. But then if we ever are in a moment at the federal level, which certainly seems so unlikely, one wonders whether the, all those 120 people would actually step up to the plate. It's a great question. Do I think there's some co-sponsors on uh, uh, Pramilia's bill that are doing this strictly because they don't want to get primaried um, uh, from the left? Absolutely. And um, I mean, the reality is that though the more co-sponsors that we get each year, the more we can keep this in the public consciousness. Uh, as you may recall, over the last um, uh probably uh, it was about a year and a half ago, there were the first um, hearings that were ever done for Medicare for All in Congress, uh, which was unprecedented. So I do think she is using the increased um, co-sponsors as leverage to get more attention uh, in Congress, as well as more public attention through hearings. And this will ultimately continue to educate and build a movement. The plan, let's just going back to California, because again, that just seems at least that one can envision a political path to a single payer bill. The idea was that if California did it, other states might follow. Everything had lined up. We had the Democratic supermajority. We had the a governor who had at least had a stated support for single payer. And then you had Javier Becerra as the health secretary at the federal level, who, unlike his predecessors, was likely to be more willing to sign a waiver under the Obamacare law for the state to have a single payer bill. All of those things had lined up just because it was clear there wasn't enough support in the state for AB 1400. Does that mean the bill is dead? Well, there are two things. Uh, AB 1400 was the uh, bill to put in the mechanism of a single payer plan, but ultimately had it passed through the assembly, it would have to pass the Senate and then pass the governor's desk, which nobody was really sure what would happen there. But even if it did, we would then have to uh, pass a financing mechanism that would have to go before all the voters in the state as part of the state constitution. That was and there was an amendment, where, right? Amendment. Right. Five, and that's where the dicey part would have been, right. because clearly the insurance industry, the pharmaceutical industry, the hospital associations would have spent 
you know, billions of dollars if they needed to to preserve the status quo. Uh, and, and the misinformation and the scare tactics that would have been used about how this would have been the largest tax increase on the average Californian would have really, you would have seen the airwaves um, and media and, and uh, just bombarded with such lies. Uh, the reality is, though, that of every dollar that's spent in the state of California on health care, 70 cents is already paid for by us, the taxpayers, whether it's giving tax breaks to Apple or Google, to provide healthcare to their employees, whether it's providing healthcare to our uh, firefighters and police officers or teachers, um, or whether or not it's what we pay out of pocket towards premiums and co-pays and deductibles, we're already paying the majority of that. And the reality is most people would have ended up paying less uh, for healthcare and most companies would have been freed up from having to decide whether or not to raise wages or um, invest in capital infrastructure rather than high uh, healthcare costs for their employees. Uh, I wish we could have had that debate to really educate the population. But again, uh, we have a supermajority in Sacramento that's not a supermajority of Democrats. It's a supermajority of corporatists. Hmm. That's a good way of putting it. Um, you know, I'm so glad you brought up the fact that the naysayers engage in the sleight of hand constantly. Oh, suddenly it becomes all about the cost of healthcare when, first of all, that's never raised when it comes to things like military expenses or uh, you know, arming police officers and giving them more military equipment, et cetera. Also, they never account for the fact that overall people would be spending less money out of their pocket the taxes would replace premiums and they would be a smaller amount out of your paycheck than premiums um and of course we would be in a situation where everybody would have coverage not just um you know most californians which is the way it is now uh, we would have the freedom to switch jobs without worrying about healthcare, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I, this bill, the AB 1400 that died, also had provisions for immigrants. There was, you know, vision care, dental care, mental health care. It was, um, it covered everything. Uh, and it, it was amazing because while the National Nurses United, California Nurses Association and other activists worked really hard to promote it, didn't, you know, probably the average Californian had no idea that all of this was taking place at the legislative level, right? I mean, we've seen polls showing something like 60% support for single pair in California and in the nation, but I'm not sure people really understood or knew that there was this huge, huge piece of legislation being considered in the California Assembly. And maybe if they did, things might have turned out different. I don't know. Well, again, I, I do credit the grassroots movement, the activists that were relentless. They went and did uh, caravans in their cities, and they really did get undue pressure on members of the legislature from their local districts. And I think that's why it got as far as it did. Uh, but, but in the end, you know, it's the corporations that have the larger voice and control of our elected officials than the people. Uh, but I do think COVID exposed a lot of the issues with our current healthcare system, whether it be uh, the, the disproportionate members of communities of color or disadvantaged communities who died of COVID because of you know uncontrolled pre-existing conditions uh, due to poor access to healthcare, whether it be uh, lack of ventilators or respiratory therapists at the inner city hospitals compared to the more uh, well-established hospitals like Cedar sinai or UCLA. 
Um, and then all of the people who lost their employer-sponsored health care during the pandemic because they lost their jobs, uh, these were all things that magnified the failings of our healthcare system. And then on top of that, you have an aging population that needs long-term care. Many people have to sacrifice uh, working to stay home to take care of their ailing parent. Um, or uh, a lot of these people go bankrupt paying for somebody to take care of their elderly. Um, all of that would have been addressed. And the only solution that really addresses all of that is a single payer system. So, uh, you know, it's, it's discouraging, but I do think the movement continues to grow as more and more people realize what a scam our current healthcare system is. And we just need to continue to uh, advocate, educate, and eventually replace the corporatists with people that really uh, believe what's right for uh, their constituents. Paul, thank you as always for joining us. I hope someday you and I will have a conversation about how the bill has passed and now it, how what the implementation would look like. We could only wish. Thank you so much, Paul. Great to be here. Thank you. My guest has been Dr. Paul Song. He is a board-certified radiation oncologist and president of the California Chapter of Physicians for National Health Program and the healthcare correspondent for our program. I'm Sonali Kolhatkar. You can access this and other interviews on our website, risingupwithsonali.com, by becoming a subscriber. Find our audio podcast on iTunes and Spotify and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at RU with Sonali.